Thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. Enjoy the podcast. In today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Hello, hello. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Thanks very much. Uh, If you're listening back to this, if you've clicked play on it, um, the recording of it, then thank you very much indeed for joining us, as always, on TTR for any and all of our shows um, if you are unfamiliar with us, we are a rate online internet radio station dedicated to teachers. We have lots of shows. Some of them are pop-up spaces like this one. Others are through the Podbean platform. You can search for that on Teachers Talk Radio via Podbean. You can go to our website, ttradio.org. You can subscribe on there to the website and receive updates whenever we have new shows out. Um, coincidentally i am following on from hannah who's just been on um from six till well about one minute ago actually um live and uh this show is following on from her so if you want to listen back to hers uh at any point maybe later on you uh, i know she was talking all about um art education she is an art teacher um then then you can do that on the on the website this show tonight from me two topics tonight really really interested in both um the first one is the future of maths teaching now the reason i've picked this is because of all the noise recently from both parties actually conservative and labor about maths teaching there seems to be a real focus on it um within the political realm but also beyond that within there's always been a focus on it within the teaching profession because there haven't been enough maths teachers um so it's going to be really interesting um i've got a special guest laurie who's going to be joining me in a few minutes um he's a maths teacher and he's going to be sharing his thoughts on it all but just to sort of outline what exactly i'm on about here uh last week the labor uh, the labor opposite is going to say the labor government not yet Uh, The Labour opposition revealed their policy for maths, the headline being 
teach primary pupils real world maths. Um, Labour unveiled plans to teach real world math skills in primary schools. Um, and this was a policy unveiled by Bridget Phillipson, the Shadow Education Secretary, last week. And she talked extensively about this. And she said, for example, that there was a chronic cultural problem with maths. Um, she said that if people hate maths at age 16, it's too late. Um, she said, be it budgeting or cooking, exchange rates or payslips, maths matters for success. Maths is the language of the universe, the underpinning of our collective understanding. It cannot be left till the last years of school. And then she moved on to talk about sort of how this real world maths might express itself. And I know that there was a reaction on social media, as there always is, to these policy announcements. Many people were in favour, but those I saw in opposition were saying, well, is this going to lead to lessons for the sake of engagement and, you know, maths lessons that are sort of centred on nice, fluffy, fun things rather than, um, you know, actual sort of real maths um, is what they would say, is what the critics would say. And those in support are saying, well, maths needs to be relevant, it needs to be relevant for the young people, it needs to be more relevant for the young people and they need to feel a connection with it that is tangible um, and to be fair i think that that applies to all subjects i think that's a question that's being asked of all subjects i think that we are in a place where um sort of when it comes to the curriculum when it comes to delivery especially with the the innovation leading from ai and, and machine learning and all these other things you know people are starting to ask you know how relevant is school you know, we've got record numbers of students not attending, record numbers being homeschooled, record numbers being educated elsewhere out of a mainstream classroom. And ultimately, this is like a big concern for people. And people are asking that question. What do we need to do to almost make this learning applicable to these students? Now, of course, there'll be other people who say it's nothing to do with that. This is about societal changes. This is about student behaviour. This is about lots of other things. It's not necessarily about lessons being more engaging or the curriculum being more engaging or anything else. But there, there's also those that are saying, you know, no, this is about the curriculum. This is about what's being delivered. And we do need to consider those things. So I've, I've got Laurie now joining me. Laurie, I'll just check that you can hear me. Are you there? Uh yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Just about. Yeah, I can. How are you Thank doing? You. <laughs> oh, yeah, a bit tired. I've had a, um, a six period day at work, but I've, I've got home, had a quick nap, so I'm all right now. <laughs> well, that's amazing that you've um, decided <laughs> after that that you're going to talk to me about more maths <laughs> after six periods of presumably teaching it. Um, do you, what were your six lessons like? If you were to rate each one out of ten, how did they go? <laughs> I would say it was the whole um, the whole gamut. From <laughs> like, I've got like a, a set of six out of six year ten who, who can be lovely, and last week were fantastic, really, really good. And I thought, right, great, I've really sorted them out now. And then today we're back to being really just yeah disengaged. So it's one of those classes that really hit or miss. Um, I mean, that's sort of just teaching, isn't it? What it, 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 what it is. But I, I don't mind the classes always. Like if, if I kind of know what to expect, <laughs> but it's but it, it, yeah. Anyway, so, so that was that one. And then I had a um a GCSE further maths class at the end of the day, who were quite who were quite nice. And out of your maths, out of your topic, out of your year groups that you teach maths to, what is your most favourite and least favourite year group? 
to teach maths? I don't, I quite like, I've got a lovely, like, yeah, because I previously taught A-levels much more, so I've come from sixth form background. So it's only, I've only worked in schools for like the last four years, and I really didn't think I would like year sevens and eights, but actually I've, I've got such a lovely year seven class at the moment. They're just wonderful. And they're like, and they're also, they're mixed ability as well. Like they all just work quite well together and like kind of the good ones help each other and they're, they're, and they're, and they're so nice. So, um, so the, yeah, the, uh, so, yeah, previously I always quite liked the kind of um, old ones, but this is kind of yeah. A, a bit, I've, just, I've discovered my love of my love of year sevens. <laughs> yeah, but it's the sort of can I turn the page and can I underline this thing on this page part that. Oh, it's a bit of that, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah. that's oh, being yeah. cynical and negative. There will be many people out there who love the cute, adorable, like oh, we love this and we're really enthused, and then there'll be others who are like, oh no, like I can't answer questions again about whether I should you know take two breaths instead of one during the lesson do you know what I mean it's very that yeah 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 so I underline in, 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 in it twice or once it's yeah 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 <laughs> and as a as a teacher um Laurie how long have you been going for now it must be almost um almost 20 years wow so I've, I've only ever taught in my in my life yeah straight from university and I'm, I'm no I'm not 20 it must it must be yeah just, just yes yeah, so I'm, I'm 40 at the moment yeah. And um, I taught A levels for um, yeah at Sixth Form College, and then I taught in FE for a decade. I was head of maths there, and then they kind of changed the role and put me in charge of head of maths and English, which was okay. But you know when you kind of do a job well and they reward you by giving you more work <laughs> at a subject which is not your specialist. <laughs> so so it was a bit of that. And then I left. Um, so when I was elected Southern Council, kind of I tried to set down from doing management. So now I'm um, work at a school and I'm at lead practitioner in maths. Um, there, so I've been that for the last four years. Now, out of all the years that you've been teaching, how would you rank sort of the last twelve months, twenty-four months within that spectrum? Would you say that it's sort of par? Would you say, yeah? I mean, the thing is, because you're an experienced teacher, perhaps it actually gets progressively slightly easier every year, regardless of what's going on outside. I just wondered where yeah, you pitched yeah. that. I found the difficult year, the most difficult year I've ever had was moving from teaching FE to going to school. Because um, when you worked in FE or, or sixth form for like kind of 10 years, you get very used to it, very used to those kind of like style of, of um, children and stuff. And I kind of got very confident. I thought, oh God, I'm brilliant at behaviour management. I'm great. And actually, I went to work in school and I thought, oh, my God, there's so much I don't know. Like all, all the strategies I knew at FE, none of them worked. <laughs> all the kids were listening. And also going from like a te going from like being a manager, I think you probably kids are teaching quite well and you mm. kind of expect that's just skills you've got and actually it's not although <laughs> it's just what your job is and and then so that was a, I had a really really tough year going like kind of when I was yeah go, going to go, going to school but I think after that I, I've, I've kind of got progressively um yeah more um better since then and um yeah I think um I think I, every, every year I've had like a couple of um tough class that are like challenging and stuff but I quite like that you can get to I find if you stay in the same place like too much and every class is always like mm. top set and like low I don't know how people can do like like grammar schools every class is lovely and stuff I, I like I like that but I, I, I like a, a bit of a, a bit of a bit of a challenge yeah you need you need a challenge in there somewhere yeah um I mean what's your least favorite and most most favorite phrase whatever your favorite part and your least favorite part of teaching um i think the least favorite i mean 
Um, if there is one, perhaps it's just amazing all round. <laughs> you know? Yeah, anything where I can use like a good like Tarsier activity or a matching activity or something like interactive or something kind of like any any, any topic like that, I, I I really like when or when you can do anything like investigative. Like the other day, I did like pie and it was like cutting out bits of string and measuring them and like doing that. And I think they, they found and I think they found that really interesting. Anything you can kind of add that to. Yeah. Um, I think when it's stuff that is on the syllabus and you don't really quite think it <laughs> what's the point of it the kids are going like what's the point i think that's when it's a bit um yeah i, I find some of the like the new gcse content like with lower groups um like when they're trying to do like i, I don't know some of the hard like trigonometry and stuff and it feels like like kind of you do it but it feels like it, it's, it must be completely unsatisfying from their perspective that they've kind of um, got to do it. And actually, it's sometimes might be, be better for them to practice more kind of, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, the reason I've asked you on is to talk about sort of the future of, of maths teaching, which I suppose ties in with with lots of the wider issues in the education system, i.e. lack of maths teachers and lack of teachers in general. So we'll we'll touch on that as well. But there were two big policy announcements. One from the Conservatives, which was about the provision of maths up to 18 and that becoming compulsory. Um, and the one from Labour about teaching primary pupils, in inverted commas, real world maths. I wondered if you could tell me your take on both of those two policies. Yeah, I'll start with the kind of um, Conservative one. Um, I think it's, obviously I've worked in FB for like, for like a decade. And I think that obviously, I think a lot of a lot of kids will get their GCSE and they get and they're so proud of that and that's brilliant for them and then they can and then they can move on. Now that's not to say they could like never do any maths after that. But I think it if it's then if they then have to do oh it's another qualification you've got your GCSE you've now got to do this. I think a lot of them are just going to lose interest and they're going to and they're going to lose buy-in and they probably won't want to like um, do their course. I think they kind of yeah we've really worked towards this um, and then oh no it's more of it. So I think there is a real danger that it's just kind of like, I don't know, rewarding kids for doing well, but then just giving them more to do, like an, another thing up. Whereas actually, I think kind of getting a GCSE for a lot of kids is really, really good. Um, I think kind of obviously math is important, but I think it should be kind of like embedded within the course so that they're not going in thinking, OK, I'm doing VTech sport and then I've got my separate math lesson where I'm doing this and it's like not particularly relevant. I think to, to do it well, they should have the, the BTEX with, like, with, with, with the maths as part of it and always contextualised. And I think kind of my experience is some teachers will do that like really well. Like we had some really good like kind of um, engineering teachers or health and social care teachers who would always kind of be like pushing maths and getting the students to not only to, to do the GCSE and to do and bachelor's skills, but always to point out where it is um, relevant to, um, in their course. But I think it's not um, not every teacher would do that. Not every teacher would have the, would have the skills to do it um, or at, at a really good level. So I definitely think there's a kind of like gap there and a kind of a training need there for like um, yeah. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, um, some of those teachers. Yeah. Do you think that? I mean, do you agree with Bridget Phillipson on this whole idea that you know there's a a chronic cultural problem with maths in the UK? um i don't know i don't know if it's that if, if, if it's chronic i think sometimes um you do i mean i think sometimes like people later like i'll talk to um people like my nation stuff well people are perfectly like adults you probably know this people go oh i was terrible at maths at school i was awful at maths and it doesn't like it seems to be something that for certain people that like, there's no 
I'm not saying they should be ashamed of that, but it's almost like kind of, do you know what I mean? Whereas I don't think anyone, people much less would say, oh, I was terrible at spelling. Oh, I was rubbish at, like it's, so there definitely is something about in some kind of sectors of society, uh, a lack of value um, in, in, um, in maths. Um, do you think sorry, that, yeah, yeah, I mean, I just want to ask you, like leading on from that, um, do, do you think that this idea of teaching real world maths is something that is a good thing? Like, do you think that's a good policy? Yeah. Um, yes and no. I've got a bit of a, a kind of, yeah, um, story about this happening with one of my classes at the moment, which is obviously, it's great when kids are saying, oh, why do we need this? And you're kind of going, oh, yeah, we need this kind of jobs and stuff and this, this, this. I've got like one class, mine from the top set, um, year 11, so every single thing they do, um, pretty much, they're always like, oh, when are we going to use this? And I kind of thought at the moment, why are you saying this? Like, I kind of say to them, well, like, it's a maths qualification. Maths qualifications are going to help you in life. Therefore, it's good. But then they're kind of like getting progressively like less satisfied with that. And now they're kind of like homing on each topic, going like, oh, right, well, trig equations. When are we going to use that? And I, at first of all, I thought, like, I kind of can't make up my mind whether that's a really good thing that they're doing that or, or, or actually whether it's just devaluing the maths for its own sake. So I've kind of been, like, today we were doing, like, matrices and they were saying, like, oh, well, when would you use this? And I was like, oh, actually, my friend works in computer games. Actually, when they use matrices, they're animating characters. The matrices is how the characters turn. And they feel that was really interesting. But then they go, right, how exactly does that work? So it kind of, like, it's getting to a level where I'm now needing to be so specific <laughs> that I have to know about like various other like careers in like so much depth to kind of like keep them happy. So I kind of wish I'd just stop with it. Anyway, um, so yeah, I think it's <laughs> um, I think it's really good when, when kids ask that when when teachers can say for specific things, yeah, okay, this is when you use it, et cetera, et cetera. And you're not you're not just selling the qualification for its own sake and saying like kind of oh yeah you need to get your maths for such and such because okay for them kids that's going to motivate them for some kids actually they quite like i mean different things motivate different kids don't they for some kids actually saying all well, this skill specifically is applicable in this way that'd be good motivation for them um but yeah i think some of the i think yeah I try, obviously try and make the content as much as kind of real world as possible and i definitely think when we do stuff like kind of interest rates or mortgages or things like that kids always find it I, I always get a bit surprised because I would think kind of mortgages are so far off for them or like kind of savings and stuff actually or, or pay and stuff um I mean maybe it's like teaching like Essex a lot of them are quite like that they, they want to leave and they want to make a lot of money and stuff so actually they always find that kind of yeah um topics really kind of engaging um so yeah on the whole I, th I, I think it's yes teachers should make it um really relevant and stuff but I still think there are some things that actually is just good maths you shouldn't have to like kind of dumb down actually it, should, it shouldn't be wrong to say okay we're doing simultaneous equations today with one's quadratic and, and and kids shouldn't have the right to like oh well, when are we going to use this and if i'm not going to use it i'm not going to do it which uh yeah is there anything in your experience that makes students like maths more in terms of just just like would you say this is just about good teaching regardless of what the, the sort of content is or the curriculum is or the you know whatever do you think that's sort of enough sometimes for them to like maths more? Or do you think actually, you know, when it comes to the curriculum, for example, you know, what do students, you've been teaching for a long time, what do students, what makes students like maths more? Yeah, I've kind of um, come, come to have, yeah, have um, different thoughts on this, because I would always think that obviously you get some students who like the individual lesson like if you're doing something really engaging and stuff like that they'll really enjoy it and it's, it's great but I think that's true like for that lesson but it's often quite surprising like how actually for, for, for some of them although they're not kind of overly 
like hugely enthusiastic and they're not going to go out of the lesson cheering like there was a, a kid who's normally just quite quiet never never really says very much kind of not like kind of um particularly engaged just very quiet. and it, his mum and him were coming around the um open day for the sixth form and she was like oh he thinks your lessons lessons are fantastic and they really and it's like it was so surprising because this is the most like I would never have known that. <laughs> like, so I do think there are some kids who actually quite like um, just like a bit a bit um, j j just classical. Right, I work. Okay, um, here's the example. Here's some practice and stuff. And they actually and they actually like quite enjoy it. They're never going to tell you. Like if it was a kind of a obviously it was really like interesting lesson or something weird. They might go, oh yeah that was really great. But for some of them they're not going to say but actually kind of like it can be almost a bit like too much and I've done that with some classes before where you just try and make it to like, I've got the with the year seven sometimes like I do like, like bingo sometimes you know like I don't you know like maths box bingo mm. and it's like you have, to, you have to solve it um so it might be like a percentage find five percent of something they cross it off and, and they get it and, and they really like it but now they're kind of becoming a bit too demanding and they're like kind of, oh we want to do bingo say we want to do this and it's just like I've kind of worried I kind of run the risk of like making it a bit too much fun and then kids start thinking that every lesson is going to be fun and actually sometimes it, it <laughs> they've got it they should have that as an extra but um yes yeah I mean it's it comes back to those old sort of and I hate these phrases but and, and I do think there's a um sort of a false dichotomy of this old idea of traditional teaching and progressive teaching and all that sort of stuff but equally you know there is there is that element of you know, there are some who will paint the whole idea of real world maths and yeah, let's try and make maths more engaging and more relevant as, you know, let's not fall into the trap of just sort of engagement for engagement's sake. But then equally, you know, I mentioned earlier the number of students who seem to be more disengaged with school as a, as a concept, you know, forgetting about what's actually being taught within different subjects, you know. There's a lot more sort of disengagement in general with, with the idea of, of school. And, and, you know, we've got unprecedented numbers of students who are not in school and, and are being home educated. So um, there is there is that strange mix between the two. But um, but, you know, and, and you've already answered this, really, is that you think generally it's 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 a positive thing to sort of make maths a bit more real world applicable um i mean how, how other than what you said which is like your your sort of um use of language and the way you interact with the students what other ways would you do you make maths more relevant and more applicable to in inverted commas real life in your classroom um i think whenever i was like doing um I think there's lots of topics where you can like if you were doing something like um inverse portion like talking about um like if you're building a house having like fewer people there obviously if you're having like fewer workers it, it, it takes longer I think most kind of um topics you would um want to do that but I do think sometimes it when you've got to prepare them for the exam and the exam sometimes doesn't have that scaffolding then they do need to like be, i think sometimes you can run the risk of everything needs to have like scaffolding and everything needs to have like kind of um all the type rates and actually that's great but you then need to kind of like strip it back and they need to be able to just like solve an equation as an equation not think about like just 
oh, here's the balancing method and stuff. And like I did the other day, like with this for the year sevens who are, when they're first meeting, um, balancing equations like I had like packets of sweets mm. and you can go like well there's x sweets in the packet mm. and I've never done this before kind of in, in this exact way and then you could like so I had like a balance and you could, like through tellers you know there's so you can't really tell how many are in right. but you can balance it and say right there's his so they found it really they found it really interesting and actually I heard something oh they finally like that that, 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 that that's um I think they kind of understood it but then you've then got to think well they then need to be able to do ones where it's negative x on the other side and they can't then like you can't have a negative sweep that doesn't work so you can't only rely on that they need to kind of like yeah then you know, extrapolate from that um mm. but we're doing at the moment do you know like the white rose curriculum i've heard of it yeah 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 so that's really good and it's really kind of like that we do for like key stage three and it's so like and it really kind of like makes you actually explain everything properly it's loads of like bar modeling um loads of like kind of explaining the first principles loads of explaining something like two or three different ways and and it's great i mean it takes you a while like if you're used to teaching kind of like um more didactic it it, it takes a lot of planning especially like mm. to understand like the, the, what, what exactly like the, the sequence like, the sequence is great but you really need to think about why they've sequenced it in that way yeah um but that, that that's really good and that's and that and that's really interesting and it's so many more kind of like questions where it's like misconceptions where, where have they gone wrong um and what's the reason they've gone, what's the misconception the students made um or like can you think of example yourself what why is this like like doing like kind of even for like year seven year eight it's like oh, why is this a counter example to this which is, is something that normally you wouldn't even introduce that kind of until much later um but it's really going to get them to think about the kind of language of maths much much earlier on so that, that's kind of I think um yeah having an impact so I think if we if more schools and certainly in primary as well we're kind of starting to and this probably brings me back to um to yeah and Bridget Phillips point about kind of we're starting to use that kind of method and really kind of like make it more deep the learning yeah um, so we're really kind of understanding the concepts from a younger age because I think kind of at primary obviously we take from a lot of different primary schools and it's so different i think some of them really come in with a with a with a deep understanding and actually understand like what fractures what percentages and, and but others who it's it's really shallow um and they haven't met any kind of algebra seemingly at all or like not they didn't even know what next number is where some of them are quite are much more confident with that so i do think there's there's probably quite a gap at, at the moment um with with, with do you with think that i mean do you do you sort of think like what what bridget phillipson was saying like oh if you know it's far too late by you know towards the end of secondary or gcse or whatever um we need to sort of catch you know catch them early if you like with maths and get them to like it much earlier on um do you sort of agree with that i mean i wonder whether you know neither myself or yourself are primary teachers um it'd be interesting to hear you know what a primary teacher thought about that but you know um it where I, I guess what i'm asking is where is it where if if you believe that bridget phillipson is correct when she says there is this big cultural problem with maths and people end up disliking maths i mean i hated maths right i'll be honest <laughs> yeah, yeah i despised yeah. it um my mum is a maths teacher or was a math teacher she's retired yeah, now. that's really interesting yeah so she was a math teacher and i rem i specifically remember um during the period where i was revising for gcse she could not get me to sit in the with her 
and for for her to help me. I I, so looking, I hated yeah, it yeah, that looking, much that I wouldn't even have my uh, you know personal tutelage from a from from a math teacher at home. Like I was like no. Like, I was just, do you, do you think, looking back now, do you think there's stuff that your teachers could have done differently, or was it just like in all fairness, Laurie? Like in the school I was in. Well, first of all, um, they I, I I don't know how your school does it, but in my school it was setted. Um, right for yeah, math. Yeah, I'm guessing yeah. it. It is that way in a lot of schools still for, for maths and whatever. But some schools not. Um, but in my school, it was setted. And I was in the, in inverted commas, bottom set. Um, I was in yeah. set. It was either set four or five. Um, and it was, t- so maths was taught by a non-specialist. So straight away, it was a PE <sighs> teacher who blatantly mm-hmm. did not want to be there. Right. It's so frustrating when schools do that. Like you should give like your best teachers like the, the lower sets because you really like you really need the skills to like engage like students who are not that are not particularly strong at maths and a bit a bit resistant. Like that's a real skill. Like it's really yeah, that's that's the wrong way to do it. <laughs> yeah, this is it. And I don't blame that teacher because you know, at the time, I might have been like, oh, this is not good. But later on, once I was a teacher, I was like, well, I don't blame that teacher because that's not what they want to be doing. And, you know, they were probably sitting there going, oh, God, this is the lesson I don't want to go to. Um, uh, because, yeah, and I, it's almost like, I don't know, like, I think, yeah, that's part of a wider thing. But, but my, yeah, but I yeah. just never, I'm not a numbers person anyway. Not a numbers person, but then equally, this is what you know. Other people would say is, well, how did you decide you're not a numbers person? You know, like when did that happen? When did you? So, for example, now um, sometimes um, people are like, oh, you're really good at mental arithmetic, right? So if you know, I'm I'm good on uh, I do things quite fast when it comes to like adding things together, subtracting, you know, whatever, dividing, you know, things like that in my head. Right. So but that was never, ever identified. That was never, ever. Oh, you're good at mental arithmetic or whatever. And that's only been the last few years that I've sort of realized that I'm all right at that side of things. Yeah, um, I think there's probably but yeah, the confidence I, I wonder what that's yeah, yeah. Laurie, I think this also is turning in, this is turning into a massive counselling session. You're probably going to charge me. Like, <laughs> this is like mathscounselling.com. That's probably a site that exists. Which no, no I find it fascinating. I find I find it. No, I find it really fascinating. The kind of yeah, the, uh, the this is a great have. time yeah. for me to say John Cat is back. Sorry, I've been waiting <laughs> to say that all day um, because John Cat are once again partnering with Teachers Talk Radio, and they have a page which is called for the maths department, Laurie. Have you ever visited this page? I think I have actually, yes. Yes, they have got 16 books on here for the maths department. Now, as a TTR listener, you, Laurie, or any other maths teacher can get 20% off any of the books on that page by using the code JCTTR2324. That's JCTTR2324. Um, I'm sure Nathan will will pin that or, or tweet it or something um, to tell people. But basically, if you visit johncapbookshop.com and if you fi- go to For the Maths Department or any other department, actually, because this offer applies to any book on johncapbookshop.com, but for maths teachers or anyone interested in maths, you've got 16 titles on there and you can get, um, yeah, you can get 20% off any book on there by using that code. So 
definitely check that out. And John Cat is back. I think that should be a rock song by somebody. <laughs> um, so anyway, um, I was going to ask you, because we're sort of moving towards the end of the chat, unfortunately, because literally we could probably talk about this all day, and I definitely need more maths counselling. Um, but what is the future of maths teaching when it comes to AI? Like, do you think that... Like, like I know we had a few shows last week, actually, on TTR from Lucy and a couple of other people have talked about it, but AI and sort of teachers being replaced by robots. I know that's Brent was talking about that on Thursday. You know, do you sort of worry that math is a subject where it could be more easily roboticized? Oh God, I, I didn't. It, but now you said that, maybe I should be. Maybe I should have a job. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think there. I think there are some really good, like some really good, like programs you can get that, like, kind of um, do a lot of kind of like machine learning and 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 kind of help kind of kids, and then will then give them back like the same st- style of problems and stuff. Um, but so, like we used to use like Hegarty maths, which was which was which was quite good, and then it would give kind of like kids like more practice and stuff and what they need to. Um, I, 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 hopefully not like. I think I think I think all of those tools are there, and I think kind of they are great. But I still think that I find it hard to think that there would be ever a place yeah without a teacher. But I do. I suppose it kind of relates to the number of kids who are not attending and obviously some of those are being homeschooled and probably the parents doing a great job I mean there's 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 quite a a growing cohort of kids who either have got like anxiety or mental health or something else who aren't able to engage in school so I do think if it creates options for them um then that's then that's really good like do you think that for example with chat gpt for example you could say this about every subject that exists in school, right? You, you probably could come up with a similar question. But in maths, you know, like the maths teacher always said, show you working out. Yeah? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, and they always say, like, I'll show you working out. With AI, you'd not only be able to get the answer. Like with Google, if you Google, what is two times, uh, what is two times five minus 28 or something, it'll tell you the answer, but it won't show the working out. Whereas with ChatGPT and AI now, we're probably moving to a point where you could say, can you show how you've worked that out? Can you show an alternative way of working that out? Can you show whatever, whatever, whatever? Now, that doesn't mean they'd have understood it when it appears on the screen, um, as they wouldn't if they Googled it, um, to be fair. But um, it's just an interesting thing to throw in there is like, how can AI, how do you, how do you foresee, and maybe you haven't thought about it, but how do you foresee AI changing maths teaching in particular um i hadn't really thought about it you're gonna need counseling yeah <laughs> That'd be for, um part um part two um i think yeah i think things like that and i think when you i don't know i think when you get to like obviously like university level maths like it's not kind of like there's kind of a beauty in like the way you lay it out, and I think there's probably stuff that like university maths would would do. But I don't think it's just. I think the maths isn't just learning the process. Obviously, that 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 is what a lot of like GCSE is, and there's most there's going to be a lot of like GCSE questions or even any questions where it's just 
boom, then boom, then boom, then boom, then boom. But like, there will be the ones that are much more interesting, um, where actually you've got to try, it's at the level where you've got to try different things. You've got to see what works. You've got to like investigate. So I think things like that, I think there'll always be a place. I, I don't, I think, I think the need for like the human, I think would always kind of outrun, maybe I'm a bit of an idealistic here or kind of this the philosophy, will always kind of outrun what, um, AI can do, but maybe I yeah, absolutely. I mean, I can familiarize with my AI. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, AI AI is never going to be able to replicate the human to human idea of teaching, which has been around since the dawn of time. Um, it, AI is never going to be able. It, it may get close to doing it because obviously it'll eventually become physical beings, robots, or clones of people who will be able to teach in the style of whoever it is. But that's not necessary. Even that isn't going to replace the emotional human connection that a, that a human being can have with another human being. It's never going to replace that. But it does throw up sort of the question of how far can it sort of replace or replicate? And, you know, I gave you that my experience of maths in school, you know, would I have preferred a clone of you, Laurie, um, as opposed to the sort of uh, uh, non-specialist, non-engaged teacher who didn't really want to be there and had been given the bottom set? Given the choice, would I prefer a clone of Laurie? Instead I think of there's them? something. Because yeah, in my head, yeah. I might be thinking, mm. as a student in that class, I might be thinking, well... I'm not really interested in building a relationship with this teacher because I hate the subject and, you know, it, it's not something I want to continue doing after I'm 16, blah, blah, blah. So actually, I'm going to choose the AI robot replica of Laurie as opposed yeah. to what I'm getting, which I'm I'm not feeling is is helping me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think probably, um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll probably go for, go, go for yes. I mean, I think kind of, obviously, the emotional connection is really important. And obviously, with, with like kids who are really struggling, having the teacher goes, yeah, I believe in you, well done, you've gone really well. Da, da, da. Actually, that's probably, I would have thought that's probably not the same as having someone automatic do it. But actually, you know what, kids are like, getting that emotional connection their whole lives for a lot of them not by interacting with people so they're probably quite used to having emotional connections with kind of apps and people apps that they don't know and it's not real life so I think given that they've been kind of um oh, what's the phrase um yeah so used to kind of getting emotional connections through um online and through people that are not kind of humans in the in, in the real world then yeah okay I think it probably um yeah. Have you noticed? Um, have you noticed me. more students wanting an online experience or to be at home rather than be in school in your lessons, like since COVID or not? Or have you just not really noticed much different? I think some kind of. I don't know. I think there's a bit of like a fallacy sometimes where um, people think, "Oh, well, kids always use their mobile phones, therefore we should all stuff. Therefore we should use more like IT and teaching." Like there was a bit of that at like my old college, and I was kind of thought, "Well, well, actually, yeah, okay, they do, but they don't always like. Actually, they quite like like we're quite now, but we always were quite strict on phones um, yeah. and things like that. And actually, I think they quite like, although they won't admit it, putting it away and being able to like focus on on stuff. Whereas I think if we if we had I know people at schools where they use like laptops and stuff, or maybe they're not as strict or the kids can have their phone out. Um, 
I think they're just they're just focusing less. I think it's just making it too easy for them to have that kind of like um, short term stimulus of their phone, even having the phone there. Um, but what, what, what do you mean, like if they, like in terms of are they wanting more no, online? I mean, I mean like practice have you noticed? Or... Like obviously, there's a huge increase in in school refusal in students actually, and a proportion of those are actually preferring to not be in a classroom environment they want to be you know online at home they want to be out of that school environment they prefer a different sort of experience um whether that's because of the anxiety of being in there or whether that's because they've just got used to an online um diet over during covid or whether that's you know whatever um you know i don't know yeah well, we're using some of, you know, those like robot things. Have you seen those? I haven't got any robots in my house, Laurie, yet. Although we have right. talked about, we <laughs> have talked about um, which, which could so, happen sometime soon. So watch out. Yeah. So it, I don't know. So it comes in and it sits on the desk while the kid's not there. What? And the do you have you not seen this? No. Have you really not? Okay. So it's like a little like white kind of gizmo. Yeah, the robot's kind of amazing, right? And it sits and it sits on the desk. And then the kid can log on at home and they can watch the lesson through the robot. Oh, that's amazing. And like they can, yeah, I've only had like one in my class like once, but then they can also light up like to say like yes or no. So the robot can like give you, um, I mean, they, they, they can't, it's not like a whole microphone system, they can't talk through the robot, no. but like they can do signals and stuff. So I think that's quite cool. I think for that kind of, for that, for a student who has like, got real anxiety, and actually, it's a choice between them sitting at home doing nothing, or actually they can watch the less they can watch the lesson through that, um, and they can move it as well. I think they can like move. Out. I think I think that's a really good. Um, yeah. I mean, really I don't good. think it's ever the same. I, I I think there's a level of there's a level of discomfort about being in a classroom and in school. That like, it's not something that necessarily a lot of people would want to do unless i mean of course it may be there's obviously a proportion who would but i'm saying like generally speaking like i don't know particularly teenagers um like i can't i'm not a primary school teacher i'm sure well when i was in primary school i think more kids wanted to be in school um than not yeah, yeah um yeah. but i think progressing through into secondary school uh they become teenagers and i don't know there's a, there's there is anxiety there about having to go into a classroom and a maths i don't know is maths a subject that induces more anxiety than maybe other subjects because it requires like there's less chance for exploration in maths so like i'm talking for me now right i for example would feel much less anxious or or sense of dread about an art lesson. Hannah's here, so I'm, I haven't just said that because Hannah's walked in and she's ahead of art. You know, I'm not sucking up to you, Hannah, because you're an art teacher. But when I, when I was in school, I felt much more ease about going into an art lesson because I'd be able to almost create something without the pressure of it always being wrong, right? Yeah. Whereas in maths, yeah, it's like, yeah. No, wrong. I this think that's right. that... like the whole thing is right, wrong. Like English. Write a poem. Well, okay, I can write a poem. Might not be the best poem in the world, but you know, it's almost like there isn't a wrong answer with poetry. Does that make sense? Like I don't. It I'm makes sense. Out loud, yeah, yeah. Out loud now. 
I think a lot of kids have the misconception that if you go wrong at something, that's an indication that you're bad at maths. Whereas you need to kind of drill this out of them and like make it. And sometimes when I go wrong, yeah. sometimes well, I go that often. And kids, ah, you made a mistake. And it's like, yeah, I'll make a mistake occasionally, like people do. Like, whereas actually, like when you're, what they don't seem to realise is that when you do like university maths or like famous ma or, or mathematicians or like beyond that they're constantly trying things and it's going wrong. <laughs> they, they might spend years on a problem and, and they're just like, no, this isn't wrong. I, 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 I and I don't think kids like, understand that that's what maths is. Maths is a constant, like kind of trying things are going wrong and then you discover something, they move on to something else. They just think of it as like, it's all just, which I suppose it is kind of to them, they're it's presented, isn't it? It's all just like problem solving. Like it's, it's all just like kind of questions that they're doing to practice and build the skills. But what I think, kind of need to realize is that that's not really maths that's like practice like the maths is the actual thinking and when you're thinking you you, you if, if, if you're never going wrong on anything then it, it, it's just far too easy yes like so I think they they should understand that and, that, and that, that's at all levels sometimes you get those very high achieving kind of classes where someone doesn't want to make a mistake or someone makes a mistake and it's all ah like, like it and it yeah. can be not very like supportive and you need to train them and go no like they have a go yeah, they've made a misconception. Start using that language of misconceptions. Yeah, they, that's a misconception. But that's really good. We're going to learn from that because other people have made that as well. So what could we do to avoid making those misconceptions in the future? Like and turn it into a positive. But that doesn't, I don't think that comes naturally to a lot of a lot of kids. They're not kind of like trained in like that way of thinking. And then certainly like for, for lower ability ones, they can be like really reluctant to, to have a go. Like it's um like there's this one kid in my class who's the starter of every lesson. I'll put up some questions and he's like, no no I want some easier I want some easier and I'll have to yeah. write something like so basic and I thought well this is great for you like you're doing it but you're not like you're just doing what you can do anyway like you're not you're not ever yeah. pushing yourself to do anything different so now I thought no I'm not doing that anymore you can have a go at the questions and if, and if you kick off you kick off but at least you're kind of like having a like you're being challenged and I'm not just like pandering to yeah <laughs> someone who sort wants... of like oh my god one of my ex-math teachers is here <laughs> no. what, are the, what are the odds well actually i think he taught me in year maybe year nine um hello mr o'leary hello everyone look at mr o'leary right don't worry mr o'leary they can't really look at you because you're just like an icon on the screen but hello um, but mr o'leary was actually great um um he wasn't the i can't, I can't say the name of the teacher i was referring to earlier because he'll know who it is. Um, but he it wasn't him. Um, but um, but Mr. O'Leary was great. Um, but yeah, but like I feel as though like it would be nice to ask Mr. Because Mr. O'Leary, God knows what he looks like now because he was teaching me like what 30 years ago or something. Um, but he must be if he's still teaching maths, which he probably is, then um, he's probably like, oh, my God, help me. Um, but we've just been talking about the future of maths teaching. Um, and what's interesting is that coming back to what you were saying there about the the problem solving it, like I didn't like having maybe out of laziness or out of fear, but I didn't like the idea it would take me ten steps to salt to have to to even have a chance of solving a problem, right? Whereas in art or English, like history's facts, right? I mean, okay, yes. I understand disciplinary concepts and substantive concepts and all these different things. Yes. But history to me made sense because it's like the study of history is sort of, it's different, right? Whereas maths and science, it was more like you've got to, you know, to be able to solve a problem, it's like this daunting hill that you've got to climb up. 
And I just, out of laziness and fear and lack of confidence, I didn't want to do that. Um, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get diff you get different types. You get some people who who love the kind of like investigativeness of it. Yeah. Kind of like always. Oh, why are we doing so? And then you get some who are like, kind of, oh, just tell me the answer. I know, I, I I don't want to do this. I, I know where this is going. Just tell me the answer now. Um, but I think you, you'd you'd hope that. I think they need to realise that, like, like actually, what maths is is thinking. Like, it's not just subbing into a formula, and it's not just kind of like just following a process. Like, there, there is this like other level to it as well. Like the kind of like um, actually, this is this is this 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 is a, this is a new concept. This is this is this is a, a doing it a different way. This is taking those skills and applying it in a different way. Um, so yeah i think that kind of um i think sometimes the, the kind of curriculum can be a bit too much oh we're doing this we're practicing then we're doing this then we're practicing then we're doing this and 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 actually teachers don't often find enough time to just think okay i'll just take two lessons we'll just investigate this this is interesting like yeah yeah i mean there's a lot more probably prescription than there was in the 90s or, or early 2000 you know when i started teaching there was a in 2007 there was a bit of prescription like we had the four-part lesson for example like oh you should have a starter and you should have a, a demonstration activation plenary whatever right there was the four-part lesson there was things like that knocking around but it was never as like oh if you deviate from these sort of um scripted responses or more prescribed activities then that's that's not good you know that's not like research informed that's not what, whatever yeah, yeah, whatever yeah. right it was more like i would say it was maybe a bit more free i don't know if that's a good or bad thing my hunch is that it's it it was a better thing to have that level of freedom that's my hunch but equally Perhaps things have progressed in the sense of this is what works. Um, I mean, with your maths lessons, do you have, do you feel that over the time you've been teaching, what, 16, 17 years, 20 years, however long it was, yeah. do you feel you've become more systematic? Um, yeah, I think kind of because I was, I think when you're also a marker as well, <laughs> I think that influences my like I'm marked A11 I'm marked GCC but I think that influences your teaching because you know exactly like the like misconceptions and like get straight to it and there's certain things where I've like I've always steered away from teaching shortcuts like that have no like I had one I don't know if you, you know, like, so if you're factorizing harder quadratics. I don't yeah. know that, Laurie, but it sounds You know when you put stuff in brackets, okay, and it's the hard ones. There's like a shortcut way of doing it, which the kids can get, but it has no explanatory power, right? It's just a shortcut. They don't understand why they're doing yeah. it. It's just one of these, let's get it. But there's another way to do it, which is slightly more long-winded, but each step makes sense mathematically. You do this, then you do this, then you do this. And yet you get the same answer at the end. I always teach the more longer version because I just think it's so unsatisfying just to go, oh, well, we do this, it's following steps. And they, and they, got, they get the answer, but they don't really kind of understand it. So I've always been a bit that in the past. I've kind of changed my mind a bit this year with certain groups. So we do this thing called like um, DM Horseshoe, which is like for proportion. So it's all things like kind of when you have, um, you know, like if you had... Um, uh, three pens cost five pounds how much was seven pens cost that 
um so they get it the right way it's like a, a step-by-step thing so they just draw it on a table and then go divide then multiply and it's not really explaining the concepts as well because you want to explain it as going times up times up or, or find out what one pen cost but actually for weaker students who just cannot visualize the kind of like maths around it actually having that as well is a bit of a kind of because at least they can feel satisfied that they can apply it in different ways to get an, and get an answer whereas actually if they're if they're so unsatisfied that the maths is almost quite, quite hard then they kind of like tune off it if, if it makes sense yeah i mean i used to love those ones i like a vague memory of this where it was in brackets and then it was just so obvious the equals it's like yeah two plus one in a bracket oh it's three and i was like oh mate give me a, give me every lesson <laughs> like every math yeah, lesson yeah, yeah. just make it like this laurie we have run out of time on maths um, I mean, I could oh. talk to you about this all day long. It's been an amazing counselling experience. No, this has been so interesting. Thank, thank you so much. I've really no, you helped it. me to reconcile my hatred when I was like 13 of maths with, with sort of modern times. So I really appreciate Well, they might, they might ask you to teach a lesson instead of coming up. Like, we're, we're, so, we're so desperate to be recruiting stuff from other subjects. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> I will be that PE teacher who just didn't want Great. to pass the bottom set. Don't say it. They'll be listening. <laughs> no, well, someone is listening who will know that teacher, which is hilarious. Um, but they're not that teacher. They were actually pretty, pretty good and solid. Um, but yeah hilarious um anyway laurie stick around if you want right because oh, yeah, i'm talking do. to dan next um dan i'll just check you can hear me can you hear me okay i can hear you can you hear me i can hear you perfectly clearly just before i talk to dan and by the way everybody you want to stick around for this because dan has moved from teaching to working in an amazon warehouse in today's educational environment, students and teachers are juggling a mix of face-to-face, -face, online and blended learning courses. Canvas by Instructure helps teachers navigate these diverse learning experiences with a user-friendly virtual learning environment that offers flexible access to courses and a consistent learning experience, all while streamlining everyday teaching processes. The world's best schools and universities are using Canvas to create dynamic courses, collaborate seamlessly, and access actionable data that drives student success. Are you looking for lesson planning materials to kickstart the new term? We've got you covered. The Day is a global online resource that turns the news into lessons. We're offering listeners a free resource on Andrew Tate that you can find on thedaynews.co forward slash Tate. Inspire personal development and critical thinking for your students by downloading the Tate Debate today and feel more confident addressing sensitive topics with your class. Visit thedaynews.co forward slash Tate to find out more. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, publishing professional development books and resources to support great teaching and learning in schools around the world. Have you checked out their latest releases? Use the code JCTTR2324 for 20% off your order. Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. And he is so much happier. In fact, he sent me a lesson. Uh, not a lesson. <laughs> he sent me a DM earlier with a picture of the warehouse with him stood in front of it, like waving happy. He didn't really. He didn't go that far. But he is genuinely ha happier um, warehousing than he was in the classroom. So I can't wait to speak to you, Dan. Just before I asked Dan his story as how, how this came about, 
I should remind all our listeners that if you visit johncatbookshop.com, John Cat is back. That's how the song goes. Then you can get 20% with TTR off any John Cat book. Uh, you can go on there. You can use the code JCTTR2324. If you add that when you check out, we've tweeted it in the space. You can get 20% off any book um, at John Cat. John, John johncatbookshop.com um, you can explore their full range of titles including their maths titles if you want to get better at maths teaching then they've got a they've got a section that says for the maths department um, so definitely check that out anyway Dan how are you this Hello. evening are you okay I'm very good thank you thank you for having me on oh, uh, mate, thank, you for, to you. thank you for saying you'd come on because um, it's so interesting so ta- you know I tweeted earlier about um, people who've left teaching and done something else and whatever and you replied saying you you moved from teaching into working in an amazon warehouse so i was wondering tell us the story of teaching to amazon warehouse but it was slightly unexpected in some ways but um i i have been in teaching until last um last summer um i'm a primary teacher and uh I taught for 24 years and um, ended up being the head teacher of a small primary school um, where I still had a teaching commitment every week um, and still taught a year three and four class uh, for a day and then dotted around the rest of the school. Um, I genuinely thought I was probably going to be a lifer, that I was going to carry on until I was pretty much 60. Um, But... um, you know, things things changed. I think I think it's not just due to to COVID. I think I think there have been changes in education, which I I don't think are for the better. But what I'm going to say is 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 from my perspective, it's kind of like my my lived experience. I know it may not be the same as others, and I do want to make clear that I have no particular axe to grind, Tom. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not a member of a political party and I never have been. Yeah. And I'm, sh- I'm sure I never will be. Um, but, but you know, I, I was someone who, um, I, I don't, it sounds like you from the conversation before with your mum being a maths teacher, there is a, there is a genetic side to teaching. Isn't <laughs> well, my dad was a teacher as well. He, he was history. So, yeah, and my, my grandparents my... and every single one of my uncles and aunties um, and basically everybody. Which is there's no there's no escape really no, is there? I mean, my, there is never going to be an escape. My mum was a primary teacher. My my dad for a short time was actually a, a secondary maths teacher. Um, my aunt was a teacher. My uh, my wife is was a teacher for um, for quite a while. Um, it was something that I kind of um, slightly avoided until I felt it was right for me. Um, and uh, this is probably the same for for many of the many teachers is that the reason I got into it was because of my teachers at school. You know, I look back and I think back to to Miss Hayden, Mr. Baker and uh, Mr. Gross, uh, who were my primary, my junior teachers. And I just I just loved school at that stage. Um, so eventually went into it in the late 90s. Um, I've taught, I taught in inner city Bristol. Uh, I taught in suburban Gloucester. I've taught in a small market town in in Wiltshire, and I finished up by uh, teaching in two village primaries in Gloucestershire, one where I was deputy head for nearly 10 years, and one where I was a teaching head 
for just over seven years. So what, what, I, why I, did you quit then? T- tell us the tell us the process up to quitting teaching. Like what the, the process? Yeah, the process up to quitting teaching was um, I having gone into school leadership. Um, so I'm I'm doing it from this perspective. Um, I have I have actually felt and I, I've seen a difference in the way things have changed over the last last quarter of a century. And largely, I, I have to say, Tom, I it was a case of feeling disrespected, um, of feeling disrespected as as an individual yeah. and feeling disrespected as a profession. Yeah. Um, uh, there were, you know, there were there were you know flashpoints really. I mean, a lot of us, a lot of us obviously found COVID extremely, uh, extremely testing, mm. particularly as school leaders. Mm. Um, and there was a period through there where, quite frankly, um, some of the things coming from the Department for Education were were disrespectful. We would be getting no notice of things. Um, you know, we would be getting new documents coming through where which were 40 pages long, we'd be getting them on a Friday night, um, ready to implement on a Monday morning. Um, so, you know, you can talk as much as you'd like about well-being and work-life balance, but when, when you're getting that dumped on, on you at 7 o'clock in, on a Friday evening and you have to have that in place on a Monday morning, that's difficult. So there were things that were sort of COVID-related, yeah. really. But, but also... You know, I, I've seen over time things like, you know, the way that, that CAMS and the SEND support has been stripped away, you know, almost systematically over the last decade. And how much schools and particularly school leaders are taking on things that are, are quite frankly, really not shouldn't be in their remit. Um, it That that was something I found extremely difficult. I, I found personally found Ofsted very difficult I've been through five or six in my time some of them have been positive but some you know a small primary school where the lead inspector was a secondary school Mm. um, Mm. specialist who had never taught primary and had never been in the hot seat yeah so there's a feeling of disrespect that goes on and 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 it's it's general I look at you know I'm in I'm in contact with some of my my colleagues and um you know, I, I despair for them at the moment when it comes to it comes to budgets. Um, but but I can remember the days where you used to know your budget back in February and you could set your budget. And, you know, there's the, the whole ethos has changed where, you know, Tom, what, what is 80 percent of any school's budget? It's the staff, isn't it? Yeah, it's your staffing costs. And you can get to the you you get to the end of the summer term, which is you know, four or five months into the financial year and you still don't know your staffing costs. So that means over the summer holiday, you and your finance officer or whoever it is have to work on it and try and square the circle because you've employed staff for September. Yeah. So there's, there's things like that, which, which you know, the, the, the way that support has been stripped out, um, particularly in things like CAMS and SEND, um, the way that that you know i think that school leaders are being treated i i I actually you know i found that it was it was disrespectful and and it really wasn't good for my mental health at the time you know i i'm quite open about the fact that the last six months that i was ahead you know i was i was there on antidepressants i was just about getting through and as soon as 
I had stepped away from the job and I had nothing to go to. Uh, I'm 51. People keep asking me, oh, how, how are you finding retirement? Um, and I'm thinking, my goodness, do I look that old? Um, but, you know, I, I stepped away. And as soon as that happened, the, the pressure of the stress of the job uh, just just melted away um, almost instantly. And uh, and then my my new adventures began. <laughs> well, that was I mean, yeah, you've really sort of hit on so many different pinch points there of, of why people quit or the journeys people go on towards quitting. Um, but I suppose to to throw that in as well, a lot of what you said there, surely that was there when you started anyway, if that makes sense. Like there must have been some things that got much worse. I mean, you've sort of touched on that, I guess. You, you've mm. said that, you know, the cams and the, the sort of lack of support on send and, you know, whatever. Um, but there's some things there that you, you discussed that you'd imagine would have been there since you started. I think, I think, yeah, I mean, th- things did change. There, there was a point where lots of money was being pumped into education. Um, and then it felt that, that things were being cut back. I, I wasn't just, I wasn't just working within like the, the bounds of my own school. Um, I, I used to work with the local, um, the, the uh, university on the, the primary partnership board training students. So I saw what was going on with them. I was also a member of the school's forum, which, which basically liaised with the county council that, that we had, which was to do with school's budgets. And I saw the pressure that, that particularly SEND and special schools were under. And, and I think, you know, from, from about, I'm guessing sort of 2015, 16, I did notice things get significantly worse. Yeah, I'm sure there, there always were problems before. Yeah. But, but it felt that more and more is going onto, onto the shoulders of people in schools, more and more responsibility um for le- with less and less resources going in that direction um yeah yeah and, yeah. Uh, and personally it, it, it's it's not just me i think um I, I was working within a um a cluster of small small village schools and there were six schools five of which had substantive heads one which shared with someone else but in 2020 all five of those heads left wow and, and only one of them was a genuine retirement so how do you replace that then? How did they replace that? Well, they have they have replaced um, them, and and good on good on the people coming in. And one of them was my deputy, yeah. um, and and you know I am so glad that she stepped up. Um, and there were others that came in as well. But you know, there's I think what happened is people people got through the pandemic it, as it was in school. You know, 2020, 2021. And by 2022, you know, there's a lot of people that were pretty exhausted and it was felt like yeah. we, we've steered the ship through, but but no more. Um, it's so seemed... you decided you decided to obviously leave. And yeah. you can you talk me through the bit when you actually said I'm off and, and how, what the, what was the reaction to that when you when you did that? And then I want to know sort of the path between that and ending up working in the yeah. Amazon warehouse. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was so lucky that I had, I had a fantastic governing body at school. My, my um, chair of governors, she was, she was absolutely marvelous. Um, and, and the staff in many ways were, were not relieved that I was going. 
uh, I, I don't think I was that much of a, a of a pain in the neck to them, but but they were kind of relieved that I had made the decision because they could see that it was taking its toll on me, um, and I felt that the, for the last five months that I was I was there, I, I was able to enjoy myself. I was going to go back to the core purpose, which was which was the children and the staff team, and not be distracted by some of the other things that were that were going on around. Um, so, you know, we, we carried on taking the school forward, but then it was a case of, uh, I felt that I left the school in a better place than it had been when I'd taken over seven years before. And then I just took some time, um, you know, fortunately with, with teaching, you, you know, you, you do get the holidays and I had, I had the, the summer holiday in 2020 to, to look at jobs, um, and, decide that actually you know what I was going to do is I was going to take something on uh, I applied for for several jobs and, and I, I, I want to talk really about um, you know this the whole transferable skills in, in a minute that, that yeah. many teachers do have but I decided that when a couple of things hadn't worked out I was going to take on something to pay the bills and that thing was working nights in a warehouse wow um, and I mean, I come from uh, my my education is very middle class, but I, I come from uh, you know originally a working class background. I was I was actually with my my uncle the other day, uh, yesterday, and and he used to he used to work nights delivering for Mother's Pride. Um, so the, that kind of thing is not is not you know alien to me. So, but having gone in, the the freedom that I had in working there um, has just been a bit of a revelation. And people turn around to me and say, "Oh." They, it sounds like they're an awful, awful, you know, organisation to work for. And I, I honestly say to them, I feel that I'm treated with more respect, 10 times more respect than I was particularly by, by um, the powers that be in education. Um, and the, the, I, I, have, I have applied for other jobs. I have looked at other jobs um, because my wife has really kind of... Um, blazed the trail for me she was a, an infant teacher key stage two uh, key stage one teacher so yeah. and early years and uh, she left the profession in 2016 and has gone on to be to work in in the charity sector uh, and she currently works as medical secretary and is absolutely loving it um, the NHS has its own has its own uh, you know difficulties and stresses yeah but it's but it's very different so I could see what she'd done um I think the thing, you know, I was talking with her earlier before coming on here. And as teachers, we it is true that we have many, many transferable skills um, and they can be used in all sorts of ways. Our, our communication, our, our way of thinking, yeah. uh, our, our, you know, our work ethic as, as teachers is high. Um, and and she has particularly found that her the, the, the skills that that she had. Have, have been easy to move across. Uh, I have found that actually some employers in different fields are less willing to take a chance. Uh, it may be because, you know, I, I'm into my 50s now, um, less able to take yeah. a chance. Um, but actually going to work for, for on a, what was purely a temporary basis for up until Christmas, just to tide me over, has been, has been a real eye-opener. Um, do you feel like I know you talked about the lack of respect and so on and so forth, but is it also about the stress as well? 
Is it, is it about is it about that day to day stress? Because no matter for me, no, I'm still teaching part time. I mean, I've been teaching since tw- 2007. Yeah. You know, it's never really bothered me. Mm. I say it hasn't bothered me. Obviously, it's annoyed me what the government of you know what different governments have said and done and sort of you know whatever it is, right? You know the things they've yeah. said or the way I felt when they've said them. But when I go into work. It's almost like that part is just I'm too concentrating on what I need to yeah. do in front of me. What bothered, what led to me quitting teaching twice? The first time in 2015, I thought that was going to be terminal. I thought that was it. Mm. And actually what happened is I was out for maybe five, six months. And then I got a job um, full time in an international school in Spain, which I loved. Absolutely loved it. Um, and then. Uh, I left that school to another school, which was in a different way, um, like very, very tough. Um, And I then left that school. But to be fair, that second time, I didn't think I was I was leaving teaching. I was just leaving that school. And then since then, I've had lovely sort of, you know, um, temporary contracts and maternity contract, part time contract. And that's pretty much 2019 to now. it for me when i wanted to quit in you know in 2015 it was about the stress i felt on the day to day that's yeah. what that and it wouldn't matter really to me what the policies were although it had to be said some people dealt with those policies in a, in a, in a bad way they they sort of made those policies even worse than they already were but ultimately it was about the demands of the job when you were in there yeah, and and uh, you know there there were certain aspects of it that that you know always were hard. I think because I'm seeing this from a school leadership perspective, I, I know that that many people would be thinking about this. You know, one of the things that that may be most problematical for for people is is you know relationships with senior leadership teams, senior management teams in school. Mm-hmm. You know that they are the ones who are perhaps having the stress from above, but a lot of people who are who are who are working in the classrooms who have got the face to face role you know it's it is the problem actually the the profession of teaching or is it the context and the culture of of where you are at the moment i found it really interesting to to hear you talk about international schools um and you know is it is it the 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 local context of of the school that I'm in? Is is there something going on? Do I not like the atmosphere? Do I not like the culture and ethos? Is there a problem with the senior leadership team? Is there bullying going on? You know, is that is it a case that I just need to? I, I still love teaching. I still want to teach, and I you know my option is if you know as best as I can to to do it somewhere else whether it's on a local basis or whether as, as you've talked about whether it's on a in, on an international basis you know is that it is the problem with with my with my location rather than my profession or is it, or is it with the profession itself and that i can't you know i just can't carry on doing this um i think more i think more people in the uk and I have to say England in particular, because um, I've also taught in Wales and, and that was that was different to England. But let's say England in particular, there is a proportion of people 
particularly at leadership level, who who for for whatever reason buy in more to the messaging. Yeah. And when they buy into that messaging about outcomes and standards and um Ofsted and whatever, whatever the, the messaging is. And that me- that messaging is a bombardment, to be fair to them. It's not as if yeah. there's a day that goes by when they're not being bombarded. You've been a school leader, so you, you, you know this even better than I do. But I can imagine that, you know, it's a bombardment of messaging. But equally, there are those in England and the UK who will who will buy into that messaging. And what that then means is that pressure is passed down the chain. Absolutely. And yeah. in international schools, that simply, generally speaking, isn't the case. There are many reasons for that. There are many, many reasons for that. Um, uh, one is, of course, that, you know, they can't just sort of, it, it's a different model. You know, you, if you, the best way I can put it is when I moved to Spain, me trying my best was more than enough. Yeah. And I didn't feel like that in the UK. I felt like a lot of the time I felt like my superhuman efforts were still not enough. Yeah. And that then, of course, leads to burnout. Yeah. And eventually, because you can only sustain that for a certain amount of time. And when I went to Spain um, and taught in this in this international school, British International School, it was a good school, by the way. It wasn't as if um, suddenly the sort of professional standards went out the window. Mm. And and what it said to what it what it sort of said to me was, it is possible. What happens in the UK is not what. When I was in the UK, it's almost as if I considered that to be what had to happen for yeah. things to work. And once I went international, had that experience, and also the experience of the few months I had prior to that, when I was exploring a couple of schools on supply, and you know, I was, I took a step, I, I sort of reassessed basically. And then w- when I had this international school experience, it was like, hang on a minute, right? I don't, I didn't need to, I didn't need to do the things I was doing, but I was convinced and almost brainwashed into thinking that. To be successful as a teacher, that's what I needed to do. It was almost like I was brainwashed into it, not just by government, but by the whole of the education culture that Mm. created this pressure part of, unless you can reach these ridiculous levels, you are not good enough. And suddenly I went international, that was stripped away. And I'm guessing that you working in the Amazon warehouse Mm. is probably, albeit a very different context, a similar thing yeah it's it's um yeah I, and and this is not to say that there are there are you know wonderful schools out there with wonderful of leadership course. teams and I, i've i was in 24 years i was privileged that probably i worked in three fantastic settings that um where i just loved working with the staff and everyone was pulling together and and they were genuinely happy places and the um the the leadership were able to i I, I don't i don't want to i don't want to you know um break any of your guidelines but they the leadership saw themselves as basically poo umbrellas (laughs) they 
I, well, I would yeah. use I would use a stronger word than that, but 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 they basically were were able to shelter some of the so the staff from some of the things that that rained down from above. Um, so there are many places like that, and and I have worked in them. But but um, yeah, no, I absolutely get your point about about the, you know the culture that we have in this country. I mean, what what I said was more. Like, mm. You know, I didn't say oh, all. Yeah. Yeah, I, I said more. It is more likely oh, yeah. you will encounter that culture. And also, some of the things that exist in the UK do not exist in the international mm. sector, Ofsted being one, which is, yeah. a, you know, in my opinion, not the opinion of Teachers Talk Radio or even some of our other hosts, but in my opinion, is part of yeah. the the sort of that part of that cult, that, that thing that creates that culture of pressure and excessive pressure and excessive um, having to be superhuman every day right mm. uh, to survive right and that's 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 my opinion um but but anyway either way um do you find you mentioned the pay yeah. with the amazon warehouse yeah um can you I mean, tell us a bit about that side <laughs> of it? yeah you know i'm having sat down and made the decision that I wasn't going to be, you know, working in schools anymore. Um, it was a case of, well, what, what is it that we need not well to survive and actually just to, to be able to live enough and to live, you know, live a little bit more. And, you know, I'm, uh, you know, without giving away too many mm -hmm. things, I, you know, my, my basic pay is, is equivalent, you know, is outside of London is equivalent yeah. to a teacher who's on about MM3. Yeah. But I, I have I have I work 40 hours a week. I have I, I mean, they've been trying to ring me tonight to come in because I'm not due to go into work till tomorrow night. But, you know, but I have unlimited overtime, which I tend to, you know, build up and have nice holidays with. Um, you know, it's it it's the the freedom that I that I have as of having moved out of, and to do something that is completely different. It is it is the stress and it's. It's it's not something I really expected in many ways. Um, I'm I'm not expecting to to love the work that I do, um, and perhaps to get some of the fulfilment that I had when I was particularly a class teacher, because you know I still believe that that is one of the greatest jobs in the world. Um, but there's there's a point where you know either kind of mentally and physically and emotionally you cannot continue. Um, and, you know, I, it, it's just little differences, you know, before, before I, I came, started listening to, to, to the program at the beginning, uh, you know, I'd done something that I would never do, uh, as a, when I was in teaching in that I was the one that cooked the evening meal and I was, yeah. pres and I was present both physically and mentally. Yeah. You know, two weeks ago, I had I had the joy. We went we went to Cornwall for a week. Term time holidays are a great thing, but you know, during a holiday, when I was when I was teaching, I would um, particularly when I was I was in school leadership, I would have been secretly checking at you know what my yeah. emails. Is there anyone that's that's you know causing a bit of hassle? Have we got have we got you know families for whom we've got you know something safeguarding has come up. You know, there was never any downtime, and and that's what I have now, um, complete downtime really for for nearly half of the week in 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 you know, uh, in action. Um, so you know, it's that it, there are other jobs that I looked at, and um, you know, I thought, well, can I 
can I transfer my skills that that I've learned in in teaching and training and mentoring and communicating? Um, things didn't work out, um, but you know I've now got to the stage where I'm I am one of the trainers for new hires that come in uh, into yeah. the house. You know, so so I'm still I'm still and people go, have you been a teacher in the past? Yeah, sorry, yeah, <laughs> it's like. Yeah, you can't you can't get you know, you can't you can take the teacher out of the classroom, but uh, they they're still a teacher, um, you know. Deep down, after after all, um, mm. yeah, it, it is difficult. I mean, I, I I know the title of this is "Should I Teach or Quit Teaching?" and I would be the very last person to to tell anyone what to do. Yeah. Um, and I can only speak from my own personal experience, but I, I would say to people, is is it the culture of your school uh, and your locality? Um, do you have the freedom? You know, I live in Gloucestershire, so Wales is Wales is a stone's throw away for me. But you know, if you're in the middle of Birmingham or Norwich, that's you're not going to be able to go and work in Wales or Scotland. Um, you know, and many people are not going to be able to have the freedom to go and teach internationally as well. I, I, I you know, I recognise that. But yeah. is there is there something you can do by going somewhere else first of all, if you if you still have the love for teaching, and if not. You know, it is it is scary. Um, it you know you, you have to make some hard decisions. Um, I don't underestimate that. I am the main earner in in the household, and it, it has been it is you know it's difficult and tough decisions yeah. to be made. But th- but it is possible. You know there is uh, there is life outside teaching. We are, we aren't indispensable except to except to those that love us the most. Uh, and also there is there is you know, there is sort of other options within teaching. So for example, me now I'm part-time, I'm in a great school who will even um, swap my part-time days if they can. Mm -hmm. Um, If, if, you know, they'll be very, very flexible um, with me and they are so great in terms of like the guys I work with now, they just not in a, not in a bad way. They leave me to it. Mm. Right. I go in there, I teach, I go home and, they appreciate what I'm doing and, you know, great, you know, because mm-hmm. that's what at this stage of my career, that's what I want. Now, of course, I don't believe that a teacher should have to give up their desire to be a head of department and to be a senior leader and to be a head teacher, to be able to have a life. No. I, I think that's our biggest problem that people almost have to um, sideline what they see as their career ambitions yeah. to be able to actually just live right and that's not that's not on there needs to be a pathway there needs to be a way that you can work full time and enjoy your job and have a life yeah regardless of what level you're working at regardless of how high up the the scale you get and to be fair there will be there those who would also argue that the pinch point is that is that sort of middle and senior leadership level potentially in in many schools head teacher level but then if you go beyond that (laughs) there'll be those who say you know you get to ceo level you know i'm not going to comment on that many would argue that there are pinch points within the system let's say where it becomes almost untenable to continue um so what i find incredible uh dan and actually i was speaking to an ex-copper um Mm. five-a-side football just two weeks ago who now earns more as an Uber driver yeah. 
than he did as a full-time police officer. Yeah. But half the abuse and the sort mm. of issues that he would encounter every day and the paperwork and all the rest of it. This absolutely. Could, absolutely. I do and, think I do and, think teaching within the public sector has had a, a really sort of I there's a whole combination of reasons why teaching particularly with covid and everything and the societal changes i'd say the closest comparator is probably the police and the nhs mm. i think but even you know working with children coming out of this situation it's yeah it's a whole new ball game so there's a lot to consider in that um i'm going to bring ben in um ben do you want to contribute something to this hi everyone it's yeah it's just quite interesting listening because um i'm a first time listener um, hello, welcome. Hello. Um, I currently I currently teach at an international school, and uh, left the UK sector after being in uh, various positions uh, for the last twelve years. And it is a you still do have the pressures, um, but I hear what you're saying. You you almost feel I always felt in the UK. It, I was like on the crest of a tsunami. The just mm. as I was just getting myself sorted, something else would be coming into me. And that's that's talking from a senior leader, leader point. Yeah. And actually, I just decided to leave my job in December. I was um, SLT, music lead, phonics lead, early years lead. That's yeah. just too many hats with half a day, every, half a day every other week out of class. Yeah. And I just sometimes think there's, especially if you're not even new to teach, but new to a school, regardless if you're maybe senior leader or not, that schools maybe should think about a three to six month almost transition period for you to go into. So you get used to the administration procedures of a school, because there's so many documents and things that you have to fill out that you spend a lot of time trying to think oh how does this look at this school if you understand what i mean mm. so for instance i'm doing a i'm currently doing a data summary at the moment and um it's just interesting because i'm used to working in a very different way i've worked in three schools some in leafy areas some not so but i just decided december this was getting a bit too much and cost of living living in london you know it was quite interesting listening on question time the other day about young people not being able to get on the housing ladder. I'm in my mid-40s and I'm not on the housing ladder. So even mm. I was thinking the politicians were, you've missed you've missed the boat by decades because unless you're willing to have, unless you're willing to stay at home in your 20s, which I didn't do, and you're willing to, you know, then save your money that way. Um, and I don't even like avocados, you know, when everyone uses <laughs> <laughs> that comment. And, so I just felt that actually I needed to get back into what I really loved and that was the teaching aspect of it. And I did not feel at all that I'd failed myself and my mum was a teacher as well. And um, I just thought to myself, actually, I need to move closer to family, um, get out of this circle of what you're just saying about thinking it's normal to take my laptop on holidays yeah. and think, and like, because I think you, I think you start to accept a bit of, that this is normal and it sometimes takes people out of education to say to you, but why have you, but why have you brought it? And there is sometimes when some, you were mentioning earlier my emails, a bit like you, you feel you've, you've got to check them all the time. And I've made, I've made a decision in the last two weeks that actually I'm not going to during a teaching day, look at my emails because I'm also a full-time class teacher. 
yes, I'm very lucky at this school. I get time out of class, which I should have done at my last one. And we actually have an inspection coming up next week, would you believe, at an international school. And it's extremely interesting to look at the pressures of a no-notice inspection against the pressures of a when-you-know-it's-actually-going-to-happen inspection. Mm. Very, 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 very interesting because you're preparing lots of documents and things because you know they are coming. I mean, we actually had a gentleman come and do a pre-inspection uh, day and, and talk to us, and he was very you know, reassuring. He actually said, I think you might actually enjoy the experience. I'm not quite sure people would say that. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, I've been through two or three, but I, I spent from January to May and March doing a little bit of consultancy work, doing some supply teaching in schools in the Northwest. I moved back to there. And I really fell back in love with the teaching. And I loved the aspect of the supply nature of choosing when I wanted to work, choose, putting my absolute best into giving those children the time. Schools then would want you to come back. And, you know, you felt like, you, you, you know, you'd, you'd leave at half three and you go, mm -hmm. I can actually leave this at the door. This is not my thing. And it really got me back into the love of teaching. And I had that six months of spending more time with my nephews and family members and I felt that I definitely as a person I wasn't on edge anymore like you were mm. saying before about antidepressants I was on sleeping tablets because not necessarily because I worried about work but I just procrastinated so much in my head and did not feel that I had the support which I do have now um from my uh, fellow SLT members and you know, and the safeguarding, if you're a safeguarding lead and part of that team, I don't think people understand the emotional baggage which comes with that. Absolutely. And it's something that really, you know, in, you know. Well, I think you might have dropped that down slightly. I don't know whether it's just my end. And then you just, obviously, you wouldn't speak about it to people and just know that you were having to make these decisions yourself and speak to the police and everything which goes with that which just got too much to me but fast forward six months uh, now I moved back to the northwest and two weeks later I was intrigued by an advert for a role in international school never thought about going to a national international school at all and when you say an international school Ben you mean a you mean a UK based international yeah school. UK based I'm in um, I'm in Spain so uh, UK based what UK use the UK um use the uk um curriculum yeah but you, you've moved to spain i have i'm, I'm right I'm, I'm here in um you know, i don't think i'm even gonna put my radiator on i feel really bad saying that to you all because <laughs> my, my clothes just dry really quickly um i am yes yeah, so and it's not something i've ever i've never you know lived abroad and yeah. it's just something that for me is different climate and i'm just a lot a better person now and i'm quite Maybe I've learned this through experience now. I'm more than, you know, happy to talk to my head of primary and say, look, if I find things are getting a bit too much or I'm not sure what something looks like, I am a little bit direct sometimes in my tone. I will say, I don't know what that looks like. In my head, it might look like this. In yours, like this, can I show mm. you before? And you mm. go, absolutely, yes. Yeah. So I think it's important sometimes when you move to a job that you kind of just explain a little bit about what you're like as a person, how you work. Um, mm. Because mm. I find that a lot of the times that people go oh i'm not sure how that and then the deadline starts to loom and then you start to get worried about it um but um i don't the whole working all the time thing i do think it's a bit of a and i'm you know you know we all have people to answer to and i've i do feel i do always say you know i do things like i won't schedule any emails in the evening and i'll schedule them for in the morning 
And so I don't want people, you know, but it does seem to be a bit of a school thing at my school and all my schools in the UK that everyone seems to think it's a, yeah, you're going to check your emails and do work pretty much most evenings. And I don't know where we kind of, how that has become the norm in the teaching profession. I mean, with the Ofsted talk that you were, have, uh, you were just mentioning about Ofsted, I've had a few Ofsted inspections, and, um, and, but I've also been a little bit involved in kind of changing the narrative of Ofsted about how they go and approach some inspections as well. And I do think that when I read on social media sites and stuff that there's a lot more positivity about offsetting, you know, feel free to disagree, but particularly in early years, which is my specialty, there's a lot more positive um, comments about the ins- uh, how the inspectors come and visit us in early years, because a lot of the time before it used to be, they would openly say, oh, I'm not an expert in early years. And that used to really get us as educators because, like, well, make yourself an ex- expert. But it now seems now that with the change in the curriculum as well, that they're more than happy to. They don't want to see paperwork anymore. They want to talk to the children. They want to talk to you about what a child is like at your setting. And that seems to be a good way to go at the moment. But just, you know, last point I'll make is going back to my, you know, the inspection things. When I've gone through my inspection next week, it's just going to be really interesting to maybe write an article or do something about it, about the different pressures. Well, you, you could face. come on a TTR show, Ben. I um, could come a diff- on a, a different one and tell us all about it. I, could, I um, mean, I've got a number of hosts in actually. They'd love to speak to you. Oh, so, right. <laughs> oh absolutely. It sounds like a very interesting topic. I've got a number of hosts in here right now, a few anyway, who I'm sure would be chomping at the bit to uh, talk to you in a couple of weeks about. Yeah, sure. That's. I really don't mind that at all. Um, it won't be me, Ben, because whenever I hear the word offset, I get absolutely triggered and need sort of counselling sessions afterwards. So it definitely won't be me hosting. And um, I. I mean, like, I, I just, you know, for me, like, everyone always goes, oh, well, you're going to say these things about Ofsted because, you know, you just, I'm part of the pedagogy and practice forum. And, but I've seen, like, all the, like, we, 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 you know, come up with some of the questions to what we think inspectors should be asking, you know, and I do the daily diet of teaching. When I applied to be part of this Ofsted role in 2018 and was successful, lots of people saying, well, it'll just be full of professionals and things. And if I'm completely honest with you all, that when I actually put my, application to be part of this forum i was very anti-ofsted and i told them in my application i said and you need people as part of this forum who are doing a daily diet of teaching and understand the pressures which goes with it and and it obviously worked and i always look at it from a point of view yes i might be a senior leader but i also um, um i'm a teacher at heart and if i think that things are things that you know need to be looked at or might need to be questioned or I'll go i don't think that's a suitable thing to be asking I would be the person making those points. So I'm more than so I'm, I'm more than happy to like say, you know, one I've got my three day inspection done and that'll be great. But it does sometimes seem just in education, final thought is that when you just think yourself you're getting self sourced on something, something comes around like a performance appraisal where I'm sure we'd all love an hour out of class and getting on to start with stuff instead of just maybe having a meeting or action plans or governor reports or data analysis or and i just think sometimes that it would be quite good if you know school leaders thought you know what actually we're we're always we're asking this we're asking this let's make everybody be aware that there's a two-week window where we are going to just we're not you will not be asked for x y and z i know it takes brave leaders to do that but if i ever become you know a head teacher myself 
um, that's one thing that I would be looking to bringing in to being able to actually, so I know that my staff would be able to go, um, oh, this is the, whatever you want to call it, give it a nice fancy word and go, oh, this is week where, so unless it's an emergency or urgent, it's, you know, you can just um, get involved in your teaching because, you know, when you're new to a school as well, um, and you're getting on top of everything. It's unfortunately sometimes you're, you know, being very personal here. It's sometimes your teaching which can um, be the thing which isn't as outstanding as you know you can be, because mm. you're you're having to do so many other things. You're looking after a whole new team as well. They're coming to you asking you lots of questions. Well, that's part of the job, and I understand and appreciate that. You want to do, you know, you're in front of those 30 children, aren't you? And you're wanting to make sure that your teaching is absolutely as best as it can be um, and know that, you know, don't beat yourself up about stuff. And that's just something really that um, I'm just noticing at the moment. So I'm just making sure teaching is high quality. I'm there for my team. However, it will be interesting to see what the inspection is like and um, what questions may or may not be asked because um they're not actually coming from the uk they're coming from other areas as well ben sorry i'm gonna have to stop you there i couldn't yeah. get in there but thank you so much that's for okay. calling in. it that's, was that's okay. it was really that's, interesting thank you very much you're welcome um you. i'm gonna go to dan just back to dan briefly before we finish up here um dan what are the things you miss about being in teaching um the staff teams um i you know i said I, I was lucky enough to work in three really brilliant staff teams um i miss the day-to-day of of um working alongside them um and i do miss i do miss the, the children and 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 teaching you know actually in the class um there's you know a lot of the other stuff as well outside of that i'm i'm just not bothered by um you know but that but you know i i'm lucky enough that i you know have been in prime was in primary teaching for for a long time and you know the, the when you find out that you've made some sort of difference um to to someone's life and that that you've done something which has sparked something in them and you see that on a day-to-day in the classroom but if you're lucky enough when you're as long in the tooth as i am just to you know i i've I've, I'm still in touch with uh, you know one of my my ex students here who you know we, we put her on stage when she was she was nine and I was lucky enough to go and see her at in a performance at the Edinburgh Fringe a few years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's it's that sort of that sort of long term long term change that you make in people. Um, but but when you see that every day day to day you know little little lights going on. You know, people, children enjoying their learning. Yes, I do miss that. But mm. but that that and working alongside some fantastic professionals and human beings, um, that's that's really the only thing that I miss. Everything else, um, I'm not so worried about. about the toilet. Did I mention Dan? John Cat is back. <laughs> Um, John Cat is back with TTR. And if you visit johncatbookshop.com, you can get 20% off any book on their website. Um, they've got lots of books on there. They've even got stuff on transitioning out of teaching, um, which is the topic we're talking about right now, if that's what you want to do. Uh, you can go to johncatbookshop.com. 
Uh, you can search for whatever the topic you want to look at is. And if you want to get this 20% off, all you have to do when you check out is put in JCTTR2324. You get 20% off the order straight away. Um, So definitely check that out if you're interested in some PD books or maybe something about what we're talking about now, maybe flexi working. Uh, they've got plenty on there about that. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot lot of um, interesting things to consider. Um, huge thanks to Ben. Huge thanks to Dan uh, for coming on. Huge thanks to Laurie, who came on this earlier as well. If you want to listen back to this, it will be available as a podcast. So if you have a podcast platform that you use, just follow Teachers Talk Radio on there. What have you got to lose? Um, we'll pop up whenever we release a new show, which is at least one a day. So we'll keep you with your diet of um, of high quality CPD, along with content like this, where we talk about the reality of teachers. And the biggest thing that we can offer you is teacher led uh, shows. You know, our hosts are teachers. Um, our hosts are in the profession. They understand it. And of course, our guests are too. Um, uh, apart from Dan, who works in an Amazon warehouse now. Um, but you know, um, it's amazing to hear Dan your story um, and. You know, as I say, regardless of how bad you feel as a teacher, there is a way forward, whether that's in the profession or out of it. And um, it's not a weakness to be brave in any respect and say, this is what I want to do for me. That's not a weakness. That's just looking at it and saying, this is what I'm going to do for myself, for the good of myself um, and maybe my family as well or whoever it is. And um, and that's what I'm going to do. And that's not weakness. That's that's bravery. That's that's self-analysis. That's being able to to see things for what they are and not be wrapped up in what people might think or what colleagues might think or what the CEO of the trust might think or what the head teacher might think or what Ofsted might think or what parents might think or what whoever your mates might think, your teaching friends might think. No, Um, for me, it's about you and it's about how you feel and what is best for you. Uh, that is my final message. I feel. I feel like I'm trying not to take it back to church here. You know what I mean? Like the final little like homily. It wasn't intended to be like that, but certainly my biggest learning point is from my my path is there was too many times where I did things for other people, what I thought they wanted me to do, or what I thought I should be doing, and what I thought was normal for me to doing instead of saying. I'm not doing this. I'm going on a different path for me. It took me a while to figure that out. But once I did, I haven't really looked back. And since then, I'm still in teaching, but I've completely forged my own path with it. I'm no longer tolerant of the things I used to be tolerant of. I'm no longer uh, willing to buy into it. Now, as Dan alluded to earlier, and Ben has alluded to, there are schools and leaders and contexts and ways of working within the profession that can accommodate that but they are can seem to be few and far between but they are out there 100 percent. it's just the case of trying to find them and if you can't find one go on a different path maybe return later on i think that at some point we are going to hit the dip which is essentially that dip where it's like, we have not got enough teachers anymore. 
because too many have left to go and teach abroad. Too many have quit the profession. Too many have dropped down from full time simply because of the workload and no other reason. Too many are feeling like X, Y, Z are off sick or aren't able to work. We're moving towards that place. We may already be in it, but certainly we're getting further towards it. And with that in mind, it might be an opportunity in two years, three years, four years, five years, even 10 years, where you think things have improved, things are better. There's more PPA, there's better working practices, there's better, you know, all these different things. Let's be positive to finish. These things might have to change because there may not be another option to not change them at some point down the line. Um, and when they do, that might be an opportunity for someone who's thought I've quit teaching to actually think maybe maybe it's time for me to have another have another crack at it in, in a different context or whatever. So anyway, it's been a pleasure. A, a massive thanks to everyone for listening along. Really hope you've enjoyed this TTR is live every day visit the website ttradio.org get involved listen along it's been a pleasure having you with us this evening uh, thanks for you've all the been listening to night. teachers talk radio tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org we look forward to hearing from you next time on teachers talk radio